We each hold a unique place in this world, complete with our own dreams, culture, and perspective. It is the individual stories of those I meet along my journey that shape the way I see the world. I'm so excited to share these stories with you, and I hope they allow you to fall in love with humanity as much as they have for me. Welcome to This World My View. I'm your host, Liana. Today, I want to introduce you to Sawyer. Sawyer is not only my one of my favorite baristas at my local coffee shop, he is a dear friend of mine, and I am just really, really excited to share a bit of who he is with you guys today. He is an Enneagram coach, he is a musician, he is a fabulous human, and he's here with me today. So Sawyer, thank you for sitting down with me and sharing your time. Yeah. Thanks, Liana. I feel like you totally just talked me up in a major way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard. I want it's to not hard. Into that. Um, thank you. It's very kind. Mm. I appreciate it. Mm. Um, yeah, good to be here. I'm excited to have you. Mm-hmm. So I have a list of questions I work through with all of my guests. They're all Great. designed to get to know you, your story, how you view the world, and uh, what's important to you. So we'll jump right in, but um, answer as you feel comfortable and uh, what you feel like sharing. The first one is, who do you define yourself as? It's really interesting. I, well, for those of your listeners who know what the Enneagram is, I'm just going to get this out of the way. I'm a type two. So (laughs) anyone who knows what that is. Um, But yeah, I, so like I grew up thinking that, and I realized part of this is my two-ness and my personality, um, just a part of it. The other part of it is evangelical church, but um, (laughs) grew up kind of, thinking that talking about myself was selfish, Mm -hmm. right? Anytime that I would talk about, yeah, me and not ask someone who they are or how they are Mm -hmm. or focus on others, that it was just me being Mm -hmm. self-centered. And ultimately that led to, that would lead to people not wanting me or loving me. Um, So I need to be selfless in order for people to love me, right? Mm -hmm. I need to give in order for people to love me. Um, And even like some, some messages there of like, I need to give so that I can get. If I want my needs to be met, I need to give first, because um, I'm not I'm not deserving of, of free grace, of free gifts, of you know that kind of stuff. Um, so who do I define myself as? A lot of growing up, I feel like I would tell you that I define myself as a sinner who hmm. has been forgiven and is now loved. You know, notice mm-hmm. the timeline there yeah. <laughs> is now loved. Mm. <laughs> um, who would I define myself as now, though? Hmm. Um, in the last uh, few years, uh, there's been a lot of. I think it's also easy for me to like identify myself with my titles, right? Enneagram coach, barista, musician. <laughs> um, but I feel like I've been. Um, I'm trying not to use like too Christianese language because I hate that. Um, but I feel like I've been called into deeper relationship and a deeper identity of who I am and knowing that I'm beloved, you know, mm-hmm. that I am loved. I, I don't bring anything to the table that makes me loved. Um, I just am loved. Uh, and, and all the things that spring forth from that and the things that I can glory in and and uh, rejoice in. So the fact that like I'm a kind person and mm-hmm. I tend to be very gentle and empathetic. Um, like those are qualities that I've come to actually own and be proud of um, as, as, you know, made who I am to be um, and getting to use those things that, those gifts and skills and abilities that, yeah, I love having. Um, I love how they uh, lend myself to 
building relationships and easily being able to connect with people. Um, there's like nothing in the world that I love more than people and talking. Um, so uh, my family will tell you there's nothing I love more in the world than talking. But um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so hmm. I think those are, that's kind of like at the core of who I would define myself as. Hmm. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'd say you love people a little bit more than talking. I get to watch you. Hmm. I, I often come in and work um, get a change of scenery for my own office mm. at the coffee shop and, and just to watch you interact with people the way you do is it exudes a lot of love it exudes a lot of what you're saying of how you see yourself now that you just are loved it's mm. not because of something you possess that that humans as we are are deserving of love and mm. we are i just really appreciate that so mm. thank you thank you for yeah. putting that out and sharing that i really mm. really so much appreciate that the next one is a little lighter but what is your favorite food favorite food Mm -hmm. okay so this is sad because i can't eat it now oh (laughs) so i can't have dairy or gluten anymore because it just messes with my stomach i think i would just decide that life was over (laughs) honestly if you took away bread and cheese from me i'm done (laughs) yeah so i cheat with cheese okay pretty frequently okay um because i just can't resist it i love cheese um but yeah, I can't cheat with bread, which mm. is sad. There's a lot of good gluten-free breads out there now. There like, are. Not a lot. I shouldn't say that. They, of the gluten-free breads out there, there are a few that are like <laughs> good now, which is exciting because 13, 14 years ago, there wasn't. Anyway, um, but my favorite dish of all time, my mom's maiden name is Antonasio, so Italian food runs in our family. Fettuccine Alfredo, mm. which is basically just gluten and dairy. Um, that's like my favorite dish of all time. Oh, so good. And then followed closely by like just a good homemade lasagna. Okay. That's my favorite foods. <laughs> I, just, I seem to always run into fellow connected Italians here. Yeah, so that's just how it, it works. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. And yeah. I'll we'll have a moment of silence for the fact that you can't appreciate that anymore. I'm so sorry Thank for you. you. Thank you. Clearly not that much because I'm not going to stop eating it out of solidarity yeah. for no, you. No, 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 no. Nor all. should you. I wouldn't want that for you. <laughs> Are you reading anything right now? Oh, am I reading anything right now? I have like seven books that I have started or am halfway through. That I'm wow. Like, I know. I have a problem where I get excited <laughs> about a book and I'll start reading it and I'll really enjoy it. And it's not like, it's not like any of these books I'm going to stop reading. I'm actually really enjoying all of them, but I just jump in and dive in and then I'm like, ah, shoot. Now I'm like up a creek because I've <laughs> stuck in between like seven books and <laughs> And so then I'll just go watch TV instead or something. Um, but uh, yes. There's a little life lesson about the feet in there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Somewhere. But anyway, um, most of them are not fiction. Um, I really love learning. Um, so like I've got like two Enneagram books I'm working through right now. Um, I've got a book called The Body Keeps the Score, mm. which is about trauma and how you hold it in your body and healing practices and ways to like uh, physically heal. Because uh, I think some of the things that we're doing with a lot of uh, trauma survivors and abuse survivors is that we talk about kind of more the spiritual side of things or like maybe the emotional side of things, emotional counseling. But we don't do a lot of body work, um, which is where um, this author, Bessel van der Kolk, um, has discovered. And back in the 80s, he discovered that a lot of his clients, like PTSD clients, they were carrying a lot of their trauma in their bodies physically. And what does it mean to like heal those parts and to be kind to your body and that kind of stuff so loving this book super fascinating psychology and the brain always have been so i'm enjoying that and then I, the one other book that i'll say um is a fiction book um and it's where the crawdads sing <laughs> which like 
I feel like everyone's reading that book right now. There's a movie coming out. There's right? a movie okay. coming out. Yeah. yeah, in July. I've heard so many things about it, and that it's really good. And a friend was like, "You got to read this." So I was like, "Okay, I'll, you know, I'll drink the Kool Aid." Fair enough. So once in a while, we have to drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> it's true. Kool Aid's. <laughs> I was gonna say it's good. It's not really good, <laughs> but nostalgic. So, so nostalgic. Yeah. There yeah. you go. It's like palatable. Nostalgic works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> what would you say is your greatest fear? <laughs> I always struggled to define that. Um, but again, partially with Enneagram work, one of the things that you do is um, you talk about your greatest fear. Um, and absolutely, my greatest fear is not being needed. Um, and I think probably going a little deeper than that is um, because if I'm not needed, I'm not wanted. Um, so there's this fear that I have of rejection, um, that I'm not enough uh, to be wanted, to be loved. Um, I'm not lovable enough. Um, yeah, rejection's a huge, huge fear. Mm. Yeah, you're not alone in that. Yeah. Not even close. I'm learning, mm. <laughs> learning that. But is... going back to what you said in the beginning, too, mm. you are loved because you are. The it truth is in mystery that. Mystery for me. <laughs> Some of those mysteries are okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. What would you say that you value the most? When I think of value, um, I'm probably processing this. This is not a hard and fast definition here, but I would think that it is something that you strive towards, something that you strive to achieve or accomplish or, um, or you think about, that you set your goals towards. Um, so in that case, I would say compassionate relationship, mm. I think. Um, I love the word compassion. We don't ever talk about what it means and how it literally means. Like, so, so if you break the word down, passion um, means to undergo, right? And oftentimes, like, you know, like the movie, The Passion of the Christ, mm -hmm. right? It's that word. So it's this, that, that word wasn't just like, oh, the emotionality of Jesus or anything like that. It wasn't about that. It was the passion is like, it's like an intense suffering that you undergo. Mm -hmm. um, and... And then C-O-M, com, compassion, right? Um, the, what is that prefix? Yeah, the prefix of the word um, is with. Mm -hmm. So to suffer with. So to have compassion mm -hmm. on someone, to suffer with them, mm -hmm. right? We think compassion is just walking by like the Good Samaritan, or sorry, the we think of like the way that we often think of the Good Samaritan um, of just like maybe offering money or like offering some resources to someone um, or just voting on a particular topic. <laughs> um, but the actual idea of like, what does it mean to suffer with someone? Mm. To enter into their pain, which is uncomfortable, mm. and to be okay there, mm -hmm. and to sit with them, to let them know they're not alone. Um, I think most of my life, I felt very alone in my pain. Mm. So um, the moments that I've experienced not being alone in my pain, and I have one of my dearest dearest friends in the world um lives on the other side of the country sadly um in california but um he is one of the few friends that i have who is really good at suffering with um, and just sits in the pain um, and doesn't try to fix it doesn't try to make it better um but that is when i felt the most loved and and that's what i want to offer people hmm. and so i think that's definitely what i value most both receiving that from people and giving that hmm. um I, I struggle to think of a better gift to give. Hmm. 
It's, there's a lot of value in that, yeah. for sure. Deeply. I appreciate that. And Oreos. And Oreos. Also value Oreos. Ah. Gluten-free Oreos. Oh. All right. Keep a whole sleeve. Well, Easily. there's that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you ask what I value. <laughs> and there's my judgment. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Love it. Hmm. When was the last time you felt joy? I gave an Enneagram presentation four weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, at this medical institute. It's called Geisinger Medical Institute. It's up in Danville near Bloomsburg College. Um, <clears throat> I gave a presentation to a room full of residents um, about the Enneagram in the workplace and how you can um, grow in compassion for each other and for mm-hmm. like even work on your bedside manners and like working with your patients and because we know that people can always grow in that. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I came alive as much as I did then. Um, just getting to speak to a group of people and talk about compassion, right? And growing in compassion for each other. Um, I, yeah, I just loved it. Hmm. Um, I was like on such a high driving home. It was a two hour drive home. And um, I, yeah, I was on such a high the whole time I was driving home. <laughs> I like called a friend or two, which was like talking really, really fast and um, just about random things. And he was like, you are really energetic right now. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm really excited. Just feel good, you know? And that, that felt really joyful for me. Very affirming of like, mm. oh, this is this is what I love to do, you mm. know, so. That's awesome. And to be able to share like with others in a way that you feel like I'm going to pass on something to you that I value deeply mm-hmm. and give you an opportunity to also pass that on to yeah. other people to just yeah. to feel an impact that you're making yeah. in the world like that is, yes. yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, just to say too, like I just love your, love the, the definition that you brought to the word compassion and bringing mm. that up to just share that what that means uh, to you, but mm. also just, yeah, that it is it is often rare to find people who are willing to sit with, to not to fix, to just mm. be present yeah. and, and to remind ourselves and others that we're not alone. Right. And there's a lot of value in that. So, mm. 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 Yeah. yeah, thank you for those. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you were afraid and why? It's interesting. I'm doing the quote unquote fingers right now, Um, (laughs) but bad emotions, Mm. (laughs) Um, quote unquote, Uh, I've always kind of repressed Mm. and hidden. So bad emotions like anger Mm. or sadness Mm. um, or I was going to say depression. Depression is so much more than emotion, obviously, but times in my life where I've really struggled with depression Mm. um, and probably should have been medicated for it you know um i yeah i hide those things from people Mm. majorly because i don't because you know in my mind i'm thinking like i don't want to be burdened right Mm. i don't want to be burdened to others Mm. i want to be available to help them right i want to be available to to give so if i have nothing to give like who's going to want that like Mm. who who wants someone who has nothing to give them right (laughs) we live in a world where people just take from each other so like if I have something, if people st- if people take from me and use me, at least that feels like I'm wanted, mm-hmm. right? Um, which only leaves me thirsting for more, of course, because it's not actually love; <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, my birthday was four days ago, five days ago, mm-hmm. and um, 
I think I saw you, didn't I? I did, Weren't yes. you there? Yeah, you were in the yeah. cafe. Yeah, <laughs> I was working. Um, that evening, two of my closest friends, buddies for a long time, um, came over with their wives and their kids. Um, and a couple of my siblings came over. Some of them were out because they were in their, at their in-laws for the 4th of July. Um, but a couple of my siblings came over. My parents were there. Um, this sweet new couple from the church we started, you know, I started checking out recently, um, came over with their kids. So a large group of people came to celebrate me. It was really sweet. Um, and we sat down to dinner and I started to have a panic attack um, sitting there to dinner. And I didn't tell a single soul, of course. Um, I didn't let anyone know because I'm learning. And this was four days ago, five days ago. So this is very recent. I'm actively learning the what it means to let people in when you're in a weak spot and when you don't look like you have it together, um, which is just terrifying for me. But I was feeling this visceral fear um, and panic attack, which I've, I've struggled with panic attacks since I was little. Um, they're a lot, lot less frequent these days, probably like two a year maybe, which is wonderful, amazing. And a lot of that had to do with a lot of gut health stuff that I struggled with as a kid, like the vagus nerve being connected to your gut, to your brain, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I was feeling this intense fear and I knew exactly why I was feeling this fear because I feel this fear whenever there's been a birthday party for me or something similar. Um, <laughs> I come from a place in my life, most of my life growing up where I feel so unworthy of being loved right mm -hmm. and so unworthy of being celebrated that sometimes there's a fear that when people celebrate me there's a fear that rises up in me of like okay so what is it that i have to give to like mm -hmm. to pay people back to like earn this to like you know um and also even like so that's part of it and then another part of it too is like this fear of oh my goodness if people see me in this state especially in a panicky state like i don't i don't look like normal sawyer when i'm panicking like i look like it's hard to breathe and like my thoughts are going mile a minute and I can't, I'm sorry, like 40 miles a minute, whatever the, I don't know what the saying is. <laughs> whatever um, fast is, yeah. Yeah, whatever fast pace. <laughs> um, and I feel very out of control mm -hmm. and like I need help. Mm -hmm. And that's a terrifying position for me to be mm -hmm. in. When I need help, that's there's nothing scarier to me because people can reject me in that position. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a position where I need help, that gives them the power. Mm-hmm and the power to reject me if they want, mm -hmm. like many have in the past. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people handle my panic attacks very poorly and tell me, you're embarrassing me, or mm -hmm. can you stop? Or like, you're fine, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I turned 26 and it was like 12 year old Sawyer showed up all of a sudden, you know? Um, so that was the most time, recent time that I, that I felt fear, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've I've had them similarly, and uh, yeah. well, I've had them on airplanes. It's not a good place, oh, but <laughs> no, not ideal. No. But uh, yeah, it is. It just <laughs> speaks to that, like almost as if it's like we are a commodity, and if we have nothing to offer, then why are we wanted? And and I think it's just so good to note that like the goodness in your heart to want to care for somebody else, hmm. even if that is tied to wanting that reciprocated. Hmm that that's present in other people. And as much as you desire them to give you the chance to love them, they desire it for you. And I think it's just awesome to be able to hear just so much of your vulnerability and your honesty in this to share all of that for other people to hear that because it's, it's real and we are not perfect. 
walking around human beings that don't have struggles or don't mm-hmm. have problems or don't have mm-hmm. fears. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, when we give voice to them, we silence the shame that we let ourselves believe around mm-hmm. them. So thanks for giving a voice to that. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. It's funny, right after I said it, right after I was, well, I sat mm-hmm. here, you asked that question, I sat here quietly <laughs> for a minute because I was like, do I want to share this? Do I not? <laughs> do I want to? Do I not? Um, and I did. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to make the decision to do this. <laughs> um, but there is part of me that's kind of like, now anyone can hear that. <laughs> but it's good. It's good to be known. And I know that that's, mm. I know that my weaknesses do not make me unlovable. No. That, that is a lie that I've identified. Mm-hmm. So now it's, it's a matter of, I know it's a lie. Mm. Now we have to untangle it. <laughs> they are. All th- my life probably doing that. <laughs> as, as we all will. No, they are a thing that make you relatable and understandable mm. and allow others to feel known mm. in that as well. That experience very similar things in their own way Mm. Hmm. would you say that there is a moment in your life that changed you or taught you something sorry to bring up the enneagram again (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's a reason that that it's something you got into because (laughs) that's true (laughs) it's true it's a reason yeah um yes i so i discovered the enneagram i don't know seven eight years ago something like that and you know, I took a test, like my friends, you know, at college, they were like, oh, you should take this test, it's so fun. I was like, oh yeah, I like the Myers-Briggs. I was like, sure, personality tests are fun, let's do it. Took the test, came out as a type two, nurturing, kind, gentle, um, people-pleasing, demonstrative, possessive. Um, and I was like, ugh, I hate all of that. <laughs> like, I hate that description. I, you know, and two, like, being completely honest just in my ignorance i was like and that's so not manly that's not masculine Mm. you know gentle kind no no i hate that Mm. throw it away yeah so i just i hated the definition of the type two and so i threw it out and was like i don't like this this isn't masculine you know that was my assumption and my um what i'd kind of been raised to believe and um in a world with so much toxic masculinity you know um i was like it's not like the, you know, I wanted to be like the type eight, the challenger, the tough one, you know, um, the strong one, the protective one, the protector of women and children. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And all the week. <laughs> anyway. You are sore. Yeah. I know, right? For real. <laughs> yeah. The Lord, yeah, did a lot of untangling of what masculinity actually is, you know, and what he says it is, um, which I'm grateful for. The last seven years have been very good for Sawyer. But, um, and I'm sure I'll say that seven years from now. <laughs> um, but anyway, so two years ago, COVID was happening, lockdown happened. I remember being home and my one of my very dear friends, she was like, hey, you should read this Enneagram book. It was incredibly helpful for me. Um, she's like, and I think I see you a lot in the type two. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm making you yawn. It's okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Sure, uh, I'll read it. You know, I like I like reading about personality tests and we're in lockdown. <laughs> you know, I don't have anything else to do. I'm not working, so it was barely working. Um, so I remember laying out my hammock. It was like in May of 2020 and I was reading The Road Back to You about the Enneagram. And um, I read about the first couple types. It didn't really resonate, but it was like, oh, this is really interesting. I remember thinking like reading about the eights. I was like, oh, I have someone like that in my life. Oh, and then read about the nine, like, oh my gosh, this is my mother on a page. Reading about the ones, like, oh my gosh, this is my little brother on a page. This is crazy. 
And then I got to the twos and I wept, Liana. Mm. Just, I mean, I just like, I was just crying on every page because I felt so understood. Mm. So understood. I was like, oh my gosh, this is my life. Like childhood message, yup. Like fear, yup. Core desire, yup. <laughs> um, core weakness, oh yeah. That one was tough. That one was hard to read because um, I don't like admitting weakness, right? Mm. Um, who does? But I was like, this is so accurate. Like, yeah, this is a big blind spot in my life. Like, yeah. And I'd also just come out of a really unhealthy codependent friendship. Um, super abusive. Um, super unhealthy. And uh, I, yeah, saw so much of how I just let this guy use me and like, um, and treat me bad and treat me horribly. Um, like less than the human worthy of honor and dignity that I was and am. Um, and so this book felt, yeah, just so freeing to me. Um, that felt like a really big paradigm shift for me of like just having a language to finally describe my internal world, which as I've mentioned before, like as someone who doesn't tend to think about their internal world because I'm so focused on trying to get people to like me and love me, <laughs> um, I'm not good at articulating it naturally. I feel like I've gotten really good at articulating it, which is really helpful, but that is that has really been the help of the Enneagram and just suffering. Like I think once you go through any kind of suffering in life, like, and, and suffering is a hard word because it's like, there are so many degrees of suffering, obviously, but everyone's story, like we all suffer. We all go through really hard things. Um, and so if you come awake to that, the fact that you're going through hard things and you actually start to deal with that and try to use it as an opportunity to grow and heal and, um, and build community, uh, amazing things can happen. And so the Enneagram was just such a gift from God to me of like, yeah, like these, here's, here's where you're great and here's where you really fall short and that's okay. You know, that's why you need people. Uh, they don't just need you. Mm. I was like, ooh, huh. you know, knife to the chest. That was <laughs> a, that was a hard one to swallow. Still is. Um, I kind of forget what your question was. No, but you're good. I think that answered was, it. <laughs> yeah, it does. I was asking if there was a moment um, that taught you something or changed you. And I right. think, yeah, like coming yeah. into what you do for work uh, yeah. and a, a large part of h how you work through things with people or coach people is yeah. is something that helped you come into accepting who you are. That's right. And I think there's, yeah, that's a, a, it's a huge answer in that, a lot for sure. So, yeah, well yeah thanks, for mm -hmm. thanks for sharing that. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Happy to. Is there anything you think you and I have in common? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> we talked oh, for dear. like for so long. Yeah, right? We talked for a while before we... I was like, well, I know he doesn't want to talk about his weaknesses. So I don't worry about him sharing that. No, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All of our strengths. Yes, we both have great curly hair. Good. Yes, that's <laughs> so absolutely. So there's something there. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, I... Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things I feel like you and I, you know, without getting into too much detail, have talked just about, yeah, suffering and like mm. how to reconcile with a good God when you mm. experience deep pain. How to reconcile with a God who does love you and does have his, like, does have the best in mind for you, who also did not cause the hard things in your life, but allowed them. Um, it's funny, we were, uh, we were also talking about how like, 
kids when they <laughs> want to do something that's going to harm them. And their parents are like, no, you can't do that. And then they throw fits about it. And you're like, <laughs> why are you throwing a fit about the fact that I'm not letting you sit on the back of a chair because the chair will tip over and you'll hit your head and, and get potentially seriously injured. Um, but you're throwing a fit because I'm making you sit on a chair normally. Like what? <laughs> um, and it's like, there's so much of that where I feel like the Lord allows pain and deep suffering to teach us things. Um, but he also says that he's not going to give us more that's going to just destroy us. You know, we're, we're struck down, but not destroyed. The process of being struck down is not a pleasant one. Mm. Um, it feels like you're being destroyed at times, mm. but you're not. You're not mm. ultimately being destroyed. Mm. And coming forth and learning things out of that, you know, that you can then give to others. Compassion, for example, um, feels so deeply important. And, and like a lesson that I, I just want the world to know and to learn and, and I want to keep learning more and I'm, I'm excited for how much I've learned already and how much I have to learn and it will be continually learning about compassion and suffering um, I see that in you mm. <laughs> tying back to this question mm. um, it's really cool like when you invited me to be on your podcast like it wasn't hard for me to say yes and like yeah let's do this because I see that you want to create a space not that you just want to but that you do mm. create a space for people to share and share their stories and and talk about their own suffering and talk about their own ex their own experiences and so I guess there's kind of two things in there like I I think we both have a desire to like help people feel heard um, but then also there's that what I was saying at the beginning too of like the shared experience of like experiencing a good God in the mm -hmm. midst of deep 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 pain and sorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think just a fellow or a, um, a similar trust and dependence upon the Lord, you know, um, that I see in you and is inspiring. Mm -hmm. so. It's an honor to share that. And, and thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, it's a different perspective than I usually hear. Hmm. Um, but it's always different because everyone is different. But totally. um, yeah, just like, yeah, as we were talking, just coming to terms with that, like, that there's a God that loves us and there's a God that his plan for us wasn't demise, yeah. but that we each have our own actions. And, and yeah, mm. it's it's sad to share deep suffering that we've both experienced, mm. but it's also, um, it's a joy to share who you've become and who I've become and, and, mm. and what is what is impacted when we choose to accept and allow love in our lives. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Accept and allow, oof. <laughs> Hard verbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know who picked those ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What is something you are looking forward to? Honestly, this is, is kind of a vague answer, but what's next? Hmm. Like, <laughs> this year's been hard. I have lost my girlfriend, my church, my job. Like, so many things have changed in the course of six months those are big things big things huge things a lot of what my life was and revolved around i have no idea what's next i'm working at a coffee shop right now slinging coffee <laughs> it's the verb that you can use with coffee i don't know i don't know it works i used it yeah, yeah. slinging coffee <laughs> um i love it i have thoroughly enjoy making coffee for me i love giving people giving people things so like immediate gratification like mm 
giving someone a latte that looks pretty. Like, I really enjoy that. I'm tr- practicing my latte because I want to get better at that, you know. It's simple little things like that that I love, um, for sure. But it's not what I want to do with my life. So I have no idea what's next, you know. I don't even know if what's next is in Pennsylvania. Like, I really don't. I'm, I've been praying a lot about, like, Lord, where do you want me? Like, make it clear because I don't know. Um, I have major wanderlust, major. So, like, <laughs> not that you know what that's like. Um, at <laughs> no, all, right? no idea at all <laughs> another thing we have in common um, but like I have no idea what's next you know I've not done a lot of traveling at all it's shameful <laughs> um, but you time what's that there's time yeah yeah but don't wait too long yeah th- <laughs> thanks um, but yeah I don't know I I'm just yeah I'm excited for what's next because I don't know what it is but hmm. I do trust in a good God hmm. so I know it's going to be good hmm. you know Whatever that looks like. Not that it's going to be painless, that it's going to be good. Mm. So. To what's next. Very nice. Great question. Yeah. yeah. And I said, to what's next. Oh, I thought you said, so what's next. No. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, You're like, Liana. I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of the point of what I just said. Yes. To what's next. To what's Cheers. next. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> On the other end of that, is there anything that you wish was over already or maybe didn't exist in the world today? There's a thousand things I wish didn't exist in the world. <laughs> If you had a magic but, wand and you could wave it at one of them. <laughs> oh, oh goodness. I don't know that I could pick one, to be honest. I wish... <laughs> I wish I had money. <laughs> I wish that I had the money to move, to travel, to not have to work at a coffee shop full time. You know, I wish that I had the resources to do those things. I live with my parents. And it's not because I want to. <laughs> Love you, mom and dad, if you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> grateful, but, and, and like I am, I am really close to my parents, which I'm eternally grateful for. Um, but I am 26 and I would like to move out. You know, I've been trying to, been looking around, trying to find apartments. Um, genuinely, I've not been able to afford it. And so, especially now, all the prices are going up. So it's like, oh, this is great. This is helpful for me. Um, but like there's so much yeah there's definitely a part of me that like would love to to just have enough money to travel to move to do some of the things that i get excited about you know um so i just don't have that right now and so that's hard um yeah yeah it seems like maybe not a shallow answer it's not a shallow no answer. not at all um it's honest yeah yeah. And I appreciate it because I feel like, yeah, often we could be like, oh, yeah, but like, I don't want to say that, but right. that's what we're feeling. Money, so, like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take a million dollars. I don't know yeah, about right. you. <laughs> yeah, right. I just have to go on Survivor and win it. Yeah. And that's all I have to do. I have to get accepted first to that show. <laughs> I've I have to, oh, I have I've for I'd have to apply first. I applied for one show one time. Uh, Did you? I, yeah. Not for Survivor, but for yeah. something else. That's off track. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Um, what would you say makes you feel known and valued? I know you've shared a little bit of this. Yeah. But yeah. Really simple. <laughs> Being heard. Mm. Really simple, but not simple. Yeah. Not a lot of people want to listen. Mm. Uh, being heard. Well, thank you for letting me listen. Appreciate it. Thanks for mm. wanting to. <laughs> Where do you call home and what makes it home to you? That's a, that's a sensitive topic right there. Hmm fine talking about it that's a that's a hard one 
I live in the home that I've grown up in. I live in the house that I grew up in. <laughs> Let me say that instead of home. There are plenty of things about it that are dear to me. There are plenty of things about it that are really hard. Mm. It's hard to still live there. You know, some days are harder than others. I think this is probably the corniest answer you'll ever get on this podcast ever of all time. Doubt it. Both past, present, and future. <laughs> um, but home is where friends are in mm. community. Like when I think of home, the concept of home, again, not house, mm. not the house you've grown up in necessarily, but a home, making a home, being hospitable, hospitality, really important concepts to me. I think of home as a place that you come to that is safe, that you can bring the hard things where people come to and feel welcomed, wanted, loved, known, where you feel wanted, known, loved. And I've experienced that in specific people throughout my life. Not a lot of them, but specific people throughout my life. Um, that feels very much like home to me. I like that. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. What is something you wish you didn't struggle with? Just one thing. We <laughs> <laughs> got the laundry list. Uh, pride. Hmm. Pride in the form of self-sufficiency. Hmm. That I can do this. Hmm. I can do it on my own. I don't need help. Um, I think that is one of the biggest thorns in my side and always has been. Hmm. I heard a definition of humility, which is right what we think of as the antithesis to pride. I heard a defini definition of humility in the last couple of years that I have just latched onto and loved. And I think we often think that the way to combat pride is to not talk about yourself or to make mm -hmm. little of yourself or to self-deprecate even. Mm -hmm. Horrible, horrible, horrible. It's just, another, it's just the other side of the spectrum of pride. Still talking about yourself in ways that are not honoring. You know, it's, it's, it's making yourself out to be something that you're not. So if we take it that logic, then, then that leads to humility being exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. No more, no less, hmm. right? Not thinking like, oh, look at me on my high horse. You know, I'm better than all of you. It's also not thinking, oh, I'm the worst. You know, no one will ever love me. Mm -hmm. That's what I tend to think. That's how I tend mm -hmm. to, I throw pity parties for Sawyer all hmm. the time. Pity hmm. parties are Sawyer's favorite kind of parties. Hmm. And so, learning to have some respect for yourself and honor for yourself that no i'm okay the way i am that's humility hmm. someone asks for help if you can't help them hmm. being able to say i actually can't mm -hmm. i love you i want to i i can't help you in this way hmm. if someone does need help and you can't help them and you're in a place where emotionally it would it's a healthy decision for you to help or it's not destructive to you. It's okay if you have to die to yourself. It's okay to, to put others' needs above your own at times. That, that's love, right? Sacrifice is love. Martyrdom is not love. <laughs> you know, you don't sacrifice just to then get praise. And that's not sacrifice. It's give to get still. Mm -hmm. There's a fine line there for mm -hmm. sure. So I think, yeah, definitely that pride is a big piece for me. Hmm.
Yeah, I hear that. Mm. What is something you used to struggle with but don't anymore or have seen a lot of growth in? This is a similar thread to what I was just saying. I'm not going to say pride because I still very deeply struggle with pride. (laughs) Mm. But um, I used to have so much and nothing but self-contempt for myself. Mm. Um, Holding myself in a position where I just hated who I was. Want to be something different. Want to be someone different. If I hated who I was, then I assumed everyone else would hate who I was. I mean, that led to so many so many suicidal thoughts, Liana. Like, mm-hmm. I never had a plan. I never got to that point. So I want to speak about it honestly in that way. But definitely ideation. You know, what would happen if I just, you know, veered my car off the road here into a tree? You know? What would happen if I shot myself? How would the pain feel? Would I feel pain? Would it be quick? Hmm. Who would find me? How would, I, how would I explain that in a letter? I like having those thoughts, you know. Mm-hmm. High school was especially hard, um, but particularly college. Mm-hmm. Um, that year I mentioned earlier where I was in that really abusive relationship, that was when I had the thoughts the most. Hmm. Um, and the biggest thing that kept me from it is I've, I've had people in my life who've committed suicide. And it's horrible. Mm-hmm. It wreaks so much havoc on everyone Mm -hmm. who loved them because people do love you, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I know my family does. I have seven siblings. I have nine nieces and nephews now. Um, I have two wonderful parents, like for all their flaws and the trauma that they've caused me and, and I've caused them and all of that. Like I do really love my family and I am close to most of them. Mm -hmm. So I know that that, you know, would just wreak havoc on them. But that was like a big reason why I never had. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime things are hard, when they get really, really hard, and I just want it out. I just want out, right? Mm-hmm. I start to have those thoughts. Like, it's easy to have those thoughts. And honestly, there's part of me as I'm sharing them that's kind of like, I don't want anyone to think that I'm suicidal because I'm not. Um, but I do think that, like, we should talk about it more because I think way more people have those thoughts than, than are willing to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting. A couple of my siblings, we were literally just talking at the dinner table last night. My one sister goes, hey, well, I was depressed because she's postpartum. And so she actually has like postpartum depression. And um, and like three of us were like, yeah, like <laughs> it's been really hard transitioning out of our church and like leaving in the way we did. It was very toxic leadership and we've been scapegoated and like it's been really hard. Mm. Um, but like the, the commonalities of like, yeah, I feel really, really depressed and like it's been really, really hard you know, um, has been really freeing. It was really cool to have that conversation even last night. Like, we don't have those deep heart-to-hearts often. So when we did, it was, like, super cool. Um, more than super cool. That's, like, I say super cool a lot. I probably said it, like, 20 times today. I want to stop saying that. Um, it was very impactful. <laughs> super cool work. So it like was super it. cool. Super cool work. Super cool. Um, hmm. So anyway, back to the question. <laughs> Bunny trails. Uh, I, like I struggle with a lot less self-contempt. It's not all gone. And there are seasons. Um, I feel like I'm starting to come out of what's been a tougher season with self-contempt. Um, but it's not constant anymore. I'm very grateful for that. Hmm. I think I'm starting to, 
to see and value the fact that I am very complexly and intricately made and I exist in a very con, con, uh, complicated and intrinsic and intricate way. I mean, you look at, you know, the Mona Lisa and like, there's a lot of glory in that. Mm-hmm. That couldn't have been made without Leonardo da Vinci, right? And mm-hmm. like, we can say like, yeah, I may have some flaws, sure, but like, it's a beautiful piece of work, mm-hmm. piece of art. So am I, you know? Absolutely. Who am I to, who am I to boo-hoo <laughs> <laughs> on that, you know? And mm. I'm more beautiful than the Mona Lisa. So mm-hmm. like, what's that saying? <laughs> so. Very much. Well, can I be the first of many to say I'm glad you're here? I'm glad that as real as those thoughts are, and I know you're not the only one who's experienced them or who does experience them, or if you're listening and you're feeling them, we're Mm -hmm. glad you're here. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're here, Sawyer. I'm glad if you're listening that you're here. And uh, yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone in those thoughts, whether Mm -hmm. that's you in front of me now or Mm -hmm. somebody listening. And Mm -hmm. uh, people love you deeply. very much mm-hmm. thank you for opening that sure mm-hmm. what is something you are confident in helping someone else through or with <laughs> I got a big smile right now <laughs> key word you just said it was helping people yeah, <laughs> I did I used one of Sawyer's positive trigger words <laughs> it's true um, <laughs> I feel really confident that I can help people find out what motivates them. Hmm. Find out their why, the most powerful question in the world. Albert Einstein said that if he had an hour to solve a problem, hmm. he'd use the first 55 minutes determining what question to ask. <laughs> and I love that. Hmm. And, I, and I constantly, as I've, I've um, used that saying, that proverb, if you will, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> in my own life I keep coming back to this question why why well why well why this I mean every four-year-old asks it 500 times a day <laughs> why doesn't <laughs> stop at four yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <Fast>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah like well why 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 <laughs> you know um, and I love asking that question with people it's interesting I've I've been able to use the Enneagram with people in a way that has helped them ask a question that they've never asked themselves before. Hmm. I think we often just accept our behaviors, accept our feelings, accept our thoughts as they are and as if they don't change. And that's just it, period, done. Mm -hmm. And we assume everyone else feels, thinks, and behaves in the same ways. Mm. So we start to ask, well, why do you behave in this way? You know, why is it that you can have two people Twins, let's say twins even, who look the same, right? Let's say you can have a pair of twins and they both have the same trauma that goes through their lives and the one person is consumed by it and overwhelmed by it. The other person represses and forgets it altogether. Why? Why they respond differently, right? Well, because we're different people, but it's deeper than that too. So I feel very confident that I can help people start to ask those questions hmm. and and really start a, a journey to better self like a journey to self-discovery which is one of the most rewarding journeys in the in in the world and it's not i want to like debunk that myth too i think or just that presupposition especially if you're in the listening to this and you're in the evangelical christian church like 
self-discovery is not a narcissistic like navel gazing thing we can turn it into that but we can turn anything into a narcissistic navel gazing thing (laughs) um and so it's actually one of the most loving things you can do for yourself and those in your community is becoming self-aware because you start to see the ways in which you're helping your community Mm -hmm. and the ways in which you're not Mm -hmm. Um, if you can be aware of those things that's like the first step to changing Mm -hmm. you know absolutely so So we talked about money a little while ago Mm -hmm. but if i were to give you ten thousand dollars and you have to spend it down to zero in two weeks you can't give it away what are you doing with it traveling (laughs) where are we going done and done okay (laughs) um i'm going to iceland oh okay nice i'm 100 going to iceland all right of all the places that like i've seen pictures of iceland is the by far one of the most beautiful okay um i'm also going to new zealand Okay. Because I love Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the movies were filmed there. So naturally I have to go there. Um, you said $10,000. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's already probably used up on the Iceland trip. Um, no, no, you could definitely get both of those in there for that. Yeah? Oh, okay. for sure. Well, you definitely. know me about travel, Absolutely. Um, and that's where it stops. But yeah, <laughs> I said that might be where it stops. But <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'd have to take someone yeah like i'd have to go with someone i can't okay. go alone. i mean if you need I a guide i would offer my love it what a sacrifice yeah what a sacrifice <laughs> with me that's great yeah. let's do it very cool that's awesome <laughs> is there anything you wish you could say to somebody you love but maybe they aren't in a place that they would receive it as you intended or hear it for what it was meant do you ever have someone in your life whom you love so deeply and i don't mean romantically maybe but someone you care for so deeply who you see believes a lie about themselves that you know is not true but they cannot believe anything Mm -hmm. else Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i mean I feel like the Enneagram has been really great and I've loved it, obviously, clearly, because I've talked about it so much today. But when you come into my life and you've got seven siblings like I do, all of which you care so deeply for, and you've got two parents whom you care so deeply for, and you know the lies associated with their type and the lies that came in their childhood, and you hear their stories and they share more with you, about when they first came to believe these lies lies like your presence doesn't matter Mm. you your thoughts desires dreams hopes they don't really matter definitely not as much as everyone else's lies like you're it's not okay for you to be too much emotionally or too little like you're gonna be way overwhelming right like you're gonna be too much for people or you're not gonna be enough to really hook them Mm. or lies like you have to take care of yourself because no one else is gonna look out for you I'm thinking of a different family member with each of those lies. Mm. Uh, like, I want to grab them by the shoulders and shake them with mm. all of the love inside of me to be like, that. this is not true. <laughs> you know, these things are not true of your life. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I look around and I see that in other people. And it's interesting having conversations with friends, like with a recent Roe v. Wade situation, like having conversations with friends who are either soup, like rejoicing or in the depths of despair or somewhere in the middle, everywhere in between. Like, I feel like I've talked to so many people who are all over the whole spectrum. 
there's there's so much there <laughs> that we're not going to dive into because mm-hmm. it's just a whole can of worms. But separating the politics from it for a second and looking at the hearts of people and what people are desiring, those who are rejoicing, who feel like this is a victory, seeing where they're coming from and like their their hearts and like not just the good parts. I mean like the parts that have been deeply, deeply wounded, mm. um, which are good parts actually. <laughs> those things mm. aren't mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. And the people who are in the depths of despair and where their hearts are coming from and their background and their upbringing. Like the world is a broken place, Liana, you know, mm. and it, it breaks my heart to see that. And so I feel like there's a lot of people, not just one that comes to mind that I'm like, I so desperately want you to believe these truths to be true. And and actually, you know, I am going to single down to one person. <laughs> Myself. Hmm. 12-year-old me. Hmm. I want to look back at little Sawyer and I want to tell him, hey, you're loved and you're wanted. You're not just loved. People want you. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not. You don't believe it. <laughs> so believe it. Mm-hmm. People want you in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could have had some man in his mid-twenties tell me that at the age of 12. Hmm. Who knows what that could have changed. But here you've become such. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, 12-year-old Sawyer. <laughs> well, he myself, w- is that allowed? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, you've heard it. You've heard your, you heard your words somehow, and here you are. Hmm. So, hmm. hmm. Is there anything on the other end of that that would be here hard to hear about yourself from somebody you love? I mean, yeah, I've heard it on multiple occasions. It's that I've caused harm. Mm-hmm. That is a tough pill to swallow. And yet it happens. And I know the reality is that it's going to happen till the day I die. I'm going to continue to harm people in different ways at different times. And I'll probably find new ways to harm people that I didn't even know. Um, Yeah, it's devastating. That's, there's like nothing worse to hear than, Hmm. hey, you know how you've always said this or acted this way or done this? It's really hurtful. Especially when one of those things has been something in which I've been trying to help, Hmm. but it's actually been hurting. Hmm. It, It feels like, one of the hardest things for me to hear and one of the hardest times to be humble Hmm. and to be teachable. Hmm. And many times my initial reaction is defensiveness. Hmm. Um, Hmm. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Thank you for your honesty. What would you say makes you feel at peace? Nature, Hmm. water specifically. Hmm. Oh my goodness. Back to the panic attacks thing. I went on a cruise when I was 16. Um, I had a friend whose mom was going to take me, him, and our other buddy uh, as a high school graduation gift. It was a month before I turned 17. I graduated a year early. I was homeschooled. Um, (laughs) And I was terrified. I remember my sister, my older sister, who also struggles with anxiety and panic attacks. And it was really bad for her then. She told me, she said, Sawyer, is your anxiety the only thing keeping you from going? Like, if you didn't have panic attacks, would you go? And I said, oh, in a heartbeat. She was like, so, <laughs> like, you know, and I remember like that is stuck. I've asked myself that question mm. countless times over the years. Like that one question she asked me in those five seconds, like mm-hmm. I've count, I've asked myself that question all the time over the years. There were so many times where I have not missed out on something that I would have loved to done and did love to do because I've asked myself, is your anxiety the only thing holding you back? Mm. 
And um, yeah, I went and I loved it. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I remember at one point I went up on, I remember we were having dinner and I ate something that didn't feel great in my stomach and it just triggered my anxiety and I was feeling really panicky and like I couldn't breathe. So I had to get out from underneath the ship, uh, like inside the confines. Mm-hmm. Whoa, so claustrophobic. Took the elevator up and then got out on the top. I went to the back of the boat and just watched the waves and the sun was setting and I could not see land anywhere. So you could see a little bit of the curvature of the earth over the water and the sun was setting on it and the reflection was coming back. And I, it was one of the few times in the world, in my entire life, in which I was panicking and immediately, snap of the fingers, I was calm. Because hmm. I saw that and it was like the creator of that mm-hmm. holds me. Hmm. And cares about me more than he cares about that. Mm. So ever since then, nature has been a very big thing for me of like, it just calms me, makes me feel at peace, makes me feel that things are okay in the world. They're not okay, but they're okay. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Sunset's a special thing for me too. I love that. It's the best. (laughs) Would you say that your life feels steady or uncertain right now? Ooh, can I say both? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so uncertain. <laughs> I mean, I've talked about it some, yeah. you know. I have no idea what's next. Steady. Because <laughs> I feel this sense of rootedness that I don't know that I can fully explain. But one doesn't just lose all those things one doesn't just experience tons of loss in life for that to be the end of the story. You know? Hmm. So there's a hope in that of like, no, there's more to come, but also like, what the heck am I doing? Like, I don't know where to go or what's next, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I bet a lot of people probably find themselves in that tension. Hmm. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure. Yeah don't think that's exclusive to Sawyer. You don't get to be unique in that one. No, I'm glad. <laughs> don't want to. <laughs> Not that way. <laughs> so this one's always entertaining, and I think I say that every time I ask this question. Love it. I'm um, so ready. Is there anything you wish you could say to the opposite sex that maybe they wouldn't normally receive coming from you? Ooh. Positive, negative, compliment, constructive, criticism, whatever. This is interesting. It's an interesting question. I've always gotten along with women way better than men. Women feel a lot safer. They make room for, typically, they make room for emotions more than men do. Typically. (laughs) Not all the time. Um, And I've got a lot of emotions. So I've also grown up with five sisters who I've been very dear, near and dear to all of my life. And my brothers only as I've been an adult have I been close to them. So... You know, there's definitely a lot of nurture there. I say this with the understanding that there's a lot that I don't understand. Caveat. Yeah. Inserted. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I honor you. Hmm. There's so much in this world that treats women horribly. Way worse than it treats men. There's a lot in this world that treats men horribly. Toxic masculinity. Awful. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say this, but I feel like there's there's more on the women, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's more oppression of women in the world than there is men. 
there's more harmful messaging for women than there is men, even though there's a heck of a lot for both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just the fact that, yeah, I honor you. Mm -hmm. I honor your stories. I honor yourself. I, I honor your body. Mm -hmm. I honor your soul. I honor your feelings. I honor mm -hmm. your logic. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's something that I, I, I really do see a genuine need for and that I, I just love and, and equate mm -hmm. <laughs> with men. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we need to hear. We need to hear from women and in so many circles in the world and so many structures. We just don't because we're not allowed to. You know, they're not allowed to have voice so mm. yeah mm -hmm. and at the same time like yeah the whole caveat because i just feel like it's even hard to say that in some ways because i i'm not a woman i'm a man mm. and like i i think unknowingly many times and and knowingly like i've contributed to that oppression of women mm. so it's like yeah yeah it is it's um there's toxicity in both and it impacts both the toxicity that you've experienced as a man of being told that your feelings don't matter and you shouldn't have them. Um, it impacts women mm. as much as mm. the things that women are told and the toxicity that says you're only feeling because you're a woman, it mm. impacts men. And so, yeah, there's so much in there that it's like honoring yourself, as you've said, yeah. is the best thing that you can do for others to accept who you are, mm. to value who you are. Mm. It allows you to value somebody else genuinely for who they are. It allows mm. you to show up in the women in your life, mm. in their lives, mm. and to truly honor them, as you say, mm -hmm. which I know you do. And it allows them to be in your life in any capacity mm. and to truly honor you because there is not this allowance for the toxicity to have space mm. and i mm. there's there's so much in that that i just so well appreciate i so appreciate that about you so mm. thanks thank you I, yeah. women have been hands down the best mentors that i've had in my life mm. hands down <laughs> yeah and to think of how many men could do the same if they allowed themselves to oh i know mm. and, many and many do and many do i think that's one of the things i I'm so grateful for this space um, and those that have these conversations with me to, mm. to put a voice out into the world to say, hey, I'm a man, I'm raising my hand, and we do. Yeah. And mm. we speak up, and mm. it's okay to feel, it's okay to be heard, and, yeah. uh, and you are mm. a man for it. And I appreciate that. It takes courage, for sure. Mm. Mm. So I don't know how you feel about public speaking but um if you were to have a large audience before you or if you were to just leave uh people with a life lesson a bit of wisdom or something that you think they should know what would you share you ever heard of jack miller no okay. should i have no that's no. no, okay um, <laughs> i don't often get some culture pop culture references yeah, <laughs> i'm a terrible okay. tv he's, person yeah he's not he's not pop, pop culture actually um he is a pastor Mm. who grew up like an hour south of here and mm. like you ever heard of like the new life churches no, no. okay he started like yeah i'm not a deep church person that's okay that's okay <laughs> yeah. it's probably healthier um <laughs> anyway he mentored my dad 
um, and brought my dad to Christ in the mm-hmm. first place. Um, and so kind of by osmosis, me, <laughs> you know, that's the legacy that he's left. So highly respect the man. He's, I mean, he, he passed away, I don't know, two decades ago. So he's been gone mm-hmm. for a long time, but, um, he said something that my dad always said to us growing up that I think just has really, it's been a truth to cling to in really hard times and in, in times where I'm overwhelmed by my own weaknesses. Mm. It doesn't take a lot. Again, my pride's very fragile. So the tiniest little crack can make me feel overwhelmed. Um, but it's that you are, wait, I want to make sure that I get the quote right. You harm and hurt and cause pain more than you'll ever know. And not but and Mm. you are loved and forgiven and grace covers you more than you'll ever know Mm. if i had a room of people Mm. and i could express that to them Mm. and they could come to understand what that means even in the mustard seed understanding that i have of what that means i don't think there's a better gift Mm. i love that So I'm not sure how you would define culture, but Mm -hmm. what is something you wish people knew about your culture, however you would define that? Oh, this one's easy, actually. Mm. That one came right to mind. Mm -hmm. I wish, I'm going to speak to men specifically. Mm. Definitely there's a population of women this applies to. I think for the most part, this is something that men really suck at. Intentionality. Mm. I am a very intentional person. I know that that's one of the gifts that I have and building a relationship, being, just being intentional with people. I've been so hurt a lot of my life by the lack of intentionality of the men in my life. Mm. Authority figures, um, relatives, peers, teachers, pastors, elders, etc., etc. Mm. And... I feel it is It is just, not feel, I know the truth that it is so important for men to be more intentional with each other, mm. to build a relationship, to have accountability to, and I don't just mean whenever every Christian says accountability, they think sexual accountability automatically. Yes, but not just that. Mm. Um, accountability in all areas of your life that, that when you go astray, when you start to do something that is harmful or hurtful because you've got a blind spot, You've got another man in your life, <laughs> a brother who can say, hey, dude, hmm. knock it off, <laughs> you know, um, you know, preferably more like, hey, I love you, man. And <laughs> knock it let's off. talk about this, right? Not, not the quote unquote tough, like knock it off, bro. No, like having a conversation like, hey, I love you deeply and I'm scared for where you're headed right now. And I'm scared that you're doing this and I don't want you to do this because I care about you. So let's talk about this, you know that kind of accountability mm-hmm. as iron sharpens iron, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a pleasant, fun little process bumper sticker that you can just put in your car. <laughs> like iron sharpening iron is, is like, it's a hammer striking a piece of iron to like form it into something. That's not a pleasant process. Mm-hmm. Often involves fire and incredibly hot temperatures and striking. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Men that are more intentional about building a relationship with each other. That is my culture. 
Hmm. It's one of the things, I'm, one of the few things I'm very, very passionate about. Hmm. So I want more men to understand that. What is something you love about your culture? I think it's the right one. Hmm. <laughs> I think it's one of, I think it's, it's not the only one. Hmm. <laughs> That's not what I mean by that when I say the right one, but I think it's, it is one of the ways that men should I'm going to use the word should, the powerful word should. It's one of the ways in which men should exist with each other. Mm. We should be building a relationship and being known and allowing ourselves to be known. Part of that's sharing your emotions. Part of that's sharing your weaknesses. (laughs) (laughs) Calling out when you need help. Mm -hmm. Intuiting when a brother needs help Mm. and moving into that space. And the way you intuit that is by getting to know someone. By being vulnerable, by being teachable, mm-hmm. being real. Yeah, mutually real with other people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything about your culture that you're not proud of? Yeah, I think there are times where I, <laughs> I think I overcompensate. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I, I've had a couple of close friends over the years who, some of them are still good friends, um, some of them are not, understandably who I have suffocated because I just want to talk about the hard things. I just want to talk about the heavy things. I just want to be real. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be authentic. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, sir, you also need to come up for air. You also need to just go for a hike and have fun. <laughs> you also need to just like play board games and just, you also need to just be goofy and tell stupid jokes. Like, mm. you know, there needs to be a balance. You can only hold your breath for so long underwater. Mm-hmm. You got to come up for air sometimes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very much so. Do you feel like you know what your purpose is in life? I do, hmm. actually. It's vague. Vague works. But my purpose very much feels like kind of twofold. One is to use my voice hmm. because I have one. I'm a white male living in America. I've got a voice. Mm. I think everyone has a voice, but Mm. I think you know what I mean. Use my voice. I don't know exactly what that looked like specifically, but I know it. that's part of what I need to do for those who don't have one. Um, And the other thing is to help people. Mm. Whatever that looks like. Specifically, I want to help people help guide them to a place where they know they are loved to spread love to be love to and for others to spread it not coming from the well of Sawyer (laughs) coming from a cup that's overflowing Hmm. you know I love that imagery the Bible uses of cup overflowing whether you you agree with the Bible or not you know like I love that imagery because when a cup is filled and overflows the contents of that overflowing affects the area around it Mm. if i my cup is so filled knowing that i'm loved that's going to leak out and 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 touch all the lives around me that i've been in contact with let them know that they're loved too so that comes from a place of being filled up first allowing myself to be filled allowing and to receive and what was accepting and allowing i think those are the two words you used earlier the verbs mm. yeah very much 
I don't know if you do, but do you have a favorite tattoo? And if so, why? I don't have any tattoos. So yet. no favorites. <laughs> no favorites yet. But I've been I've been kicking I'm it's because I'm so indecisive. <laughs> no. That's my problem. I know. Shocking, don't right? do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really want to get the tattoo. I really it's I feel like it's so corny, but um, I really want to get beloved tattooed on me somewhere. Hmm. Um, it's not corny. Pro- it means something to something. you. It means something deeply to me. Mm-hmm. On my heart, maybe, I'm sorry, on my arm or maybe over my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, beloved, that's my identity. Hmm. Back to the first question you asked me. Mm, full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Like, that's my identity. And if I can keep that in my mind as my identity. It will spill out. <laughs> it will spill out. That's right. It will overflow. Mm. I love that. What is something that you have accomplished that you are really proud of? I have four college degrees. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. It's impressive. I have two bachelor's and two master's degrees. Wow. Um, I have a bachelor's of science and Bible, a bachelor's of music and worship and music, a master's of music and music composition, and a master's of music in piano performance. Wow. Wow. Um, Music is a huge part of my life as mm-hmm. well that I haven't talked a lot about. Mm-mm. It's a whole other sphere and, and part of me. But um, I feel really proud of the work that's gone into those those studies um, and where I am now as a musician. I felt a lot of inferiority when mm. I was younger as a musician. I have a cousin who's older than me who um, was like composing songs at 13, 14. And I was too, but I was super critical of them. And I showed them to a band that I was in and they didn't like them. So I just like... So they must have been right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so just felt like I paled in comparison to all hmm. the other musicians out there. So I kind of was just like, well, I'm not going to be great. So like, I just shouldn't do it. Hmm. <laughs> what expectations to have on yourself as a 12-year-old? Hmm. Goodness gracious. Oh my heavens. Yeah, right. Um, if my children one day ever feel those expectations... I'm going to plead with them not to feel that (laughs) and show them that they don't need to feel that. It comes from outside what we hear and we believe. So I think think your kids will be okay. But again, we are never our our child's only influence. Facts. And uh, I think that's something we could all hold dear and remember and give ourselves forgiveness in as parents. Amen, amen, amen. Hmm. Very much. Um, Yeah. Hmm. So I I feel proud of that. As you should. Very much so. (laughs) And I want to hear you play sometime. I have music on Spotify. I will be with. All right. Anyone listening, we're going to link some of that. So you're just going to give me a link and we're going to add it to the show notes. So definitely search that. Well, sorry, you've shared a lot of who you are and I appreciate that so much. But is there anything else you want others to know about who you are or what matters to you? I don't think so. It's like we've covered the the main points. Feels whole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Thank you so much. I just, I so appreciate your, your honesty, your openness, your vulnerability, your humanity, um, mm. who you are as a person, as a man, and as a friend. So thank you so much for your time and for allowing me the honor of sharing you with my listeners. Thank you for tuning in to This World My View. Your reviews are what keep this show going. So if you have a moment, I would so appreciate you just taking a second to write a review. Anything from, I really enjoyed this, or something you took away that changed your perspective or impacted your life, or something you connected with. 
If you have a chance to share that on social media and tag me and the show in it, I would greatly appreciate that. I just want to thank you also for just being a part of my world and community here at This World My View.